Kale and Company, weekday mornings, 6 till 10. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Stream us on the free Odyssey app. Watch us on YouTube. Don't forget, youtube.com slash at 1210 WPHT. Stalker wants to get to 6,000 subscribers before Christmas. So, do what he says. Hit all the different buttons. Subscribe. Like. Then go to the website. Buy some merchandise. Holiday season. Wait, 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 wait. 12 days till Christmas? I'm glad you mentioned that. Right now, we have the black... Kale and Company t-shirts up there. You can get them, I believe if you order them this week, I think, I believe you can get them in time for Christmas. But okay. I think this is the last week. So if you have not done so, go to 1210WPHT.com. 1210WPHT.com. The merch store is right there. Um, just click on it, and you have all your gear uh, right there. And like I said, the black Kale and Company uh, t-shirt is up. We should have ours soon. And if you... um. If you need any rushed shipping and handling special delivery, I'll personally deliver them to your porch for an additional forty nine ninety five. But that goes to me. It's not, very nice. not to the station. Very nice of you. Yeah. Very nice of you. Yeah. All right. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten is how you climb in. Uh, I do want to get to the Daily Wire story talking about how Claudine Gay, the Harvard president, also is under fire now for three instances of alleged plagiarism. So much like Joe Biden uh, and Vivek Ramaswamy, she likes to steal other people's material apparently we know joe has tried to kind of model some of the make america great again stuff from trump and vivek has been deemed to have plagiarized a little bit of uh, barack obama from a speech standpoint uh and apparently claudine gay is a bit of a fraud as well so we'll wrap up with that and then also the snl update from the fallout this weekend with cecily strong i always want to call her cecily tynan for some reason every time <laughs> i see that name i'm like nope that's a uh, six abc that's not a uh, SNL. Uh, but we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. But let's get to the news. Round number two, 703, the great Don Stensland. Why, thank you. Good morning on this Tuesday morning, chilly morning. I'll tell you when the warm up of the week begins to happen, at least. It is Tuesday, December 12th. We're sponsored by Best Work Industries for the Blind this morning. In the news, We have uh, Philadelphia police investigating after an ambush shooting that happened late last night. It looks like these three guys were waiting for that victim. A terrible story. And uh, this is the man is in critical condition after these three guys uh, ambushed him. Bullets flying in the stairwell of his East Germantown apartment complex. Nobody else injured in this one. And it looks like they were waiting for him targeted. Was it some kind of a mugging or was it something else? We're not hearing anything as far as a motive. 28 rounds fired at the victim, hitting him twice in the chest and several times in the legs. Somehow this guy survived in critical condition this morning. But police say they're looking at the surveillance cameras outside the apartment building, hoping to identify these three armed and dangerous men. And then we talked a lot this morning about the deadly fire that broke out in Philadelphia, erupting at a high-rise condo building in Philadelphia's Spring Gardens section. Happened late last night, and many residents displaced by this. This morning, the American Red Cross helping out. But we know that a woman, they haven't identified her yet, 40-year-old woman had died in the fire firefighters rushing her to the hospital she was still alive at that point could not save her life so uh, this happened the 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 alarm started sounding about 11 p.m and so they they could smell the heavy smoke 
people were, you know, they're knocking door to door. And because it's such a big high rise building, a lot of times people ignore, unfortunately, much like office buildings, they thought maybe, oh, maybe it's just a, a test of mm-hmm. the fire system. Yeah. Or somebody's cooking something and didn't open up the Set window. Set it off. Yep. So in this one, uh, tragically though, the woman, they went to the 14th floor, were able to get everybody else out, those firefighters, but they found this one woman. She did not survive. We don't have a cause of the fire. By the way, this, this, uh, building has 776 units. This is a large luxury, you know, condo building in Philadelphia, well known right over there by the art museum. Ladder one was responding to this and was first on the scene. A little bit tragic, uh, tragically ironic, if you'll say, because it was just restored yesterday in that big news conference with President Joe Biden in town. The governor was here. The mayor was here. And many of our firefighters were being celebrated. But Ladder One, as well as other apparatus, other engines were shut down about 15 years ago due to economic issues reinstated to better you know, serve the people of Philadelphia, getting this $22.4 million in FEMA money, federal money for this grant that will hire, train, and pay 72 firefighters and EMTs, but the grant only goes for three years. Mm. Okay. So it's not a permanent fix. Right. We'll just say that. I'll so tell you what, though, if you're... Uh Somebody that's not going to college or maybe getting out of college and you're kind of torn on what civil service job you would like to, you know, take up a career with. What would you rather do in this day and age? Be a cop in Philadelphia or be a firefighter? I think I'd be a firefighter, hands down. Yeah, I think to your point, I don't know that they have a recruitment issue. And especially for these new you know, hires, I don't hear firefighters because after 9-11, the firefighters especially were known as the heroes. Yep. But police, after the defund the police movement, are still, I think there's a residue from the defund the police movement Mm -hmm. that we have not gotten rid of. I think it's actually just safer this day and age in Philadelphia to fight fires than to fight crime. It's sad but true. Uh, The newly dedicated resources, Ladder 1, Engine 6, Ladder 11, serving Kensington, Fishtown, Fairmount, Spring Garden, South Philadelphia. So that's why they were first on the scene to that huge condo fire just last night. And as well, we should point out, Joe Biden here, I know Nick Kale and Greg on his cut sheet have a lot of goodies, little nuggets in there of Biden's speech, and as well, the photo op afterwards that went viral with, well, I guess President Joe Biden ultimately wasn't in it, but with Kenny and Shapiro and so on. Wasn't in it, wasn't with it, <laughs> yeah, they're all applicable. So that's going on. And President Joe Biden here was here after that big news conference. He was here as well for a very large fundraising event here in Philadelphia. And I think to to my math, and if I'm wrong, somebody correct me, but that was his 15th appearance in Philadelphia since the campaign of 2020. They were reporting 19th. Was it 19? Technically, is it since he was president? Okay. So you're saying this year, but maybe it's 19th since he became, since he was. Okay. Came into office. Point being, he's here a lot. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) This is true. Uh, So we have a lot going on. Just a warning about these burglaries. We're seeing a rise in burglaries. And we've we've talked about that cartel that was shut down in, for example, Montgomery County, especially Abington and some of the mainline areas. Now we have another one that is being reported. And this is the Andorra section of Philadelphia. You don't usually see much crime 
in this section. It's basically between, uh, let's say, Roxborough and the Chestnut Hill section of Philadelphia. And right, Andorra is right on the border of Montgomery County. So this is known as an area that they don't usually have these types of crime. But in this one, they are four suspects in total. They're riding around in an SUV, three men, a female driver. The, the woman serves as a lookout. So they're putting this word out. Please lock up your doors. Please set if you have an alarm system. Hopefully you have something with some kind of a doorbell camera. operate. That really helps. But they saw nine, nine homes broken into. So they're putting out the warning. So you're going to an area that typically doesn't see this type of crime. Yeah. Probably a wealthier area than other areas that you would might be contemplating hitting up. You know, I, I was just thinking about this as far as a lookout goes. I think Stalker would make a great lookout. Could you see Stalker wearing like a beanie in a rented van, <laughs> just kind of looking out the window, telling people to hurry up? I could totally see it. I love it. You'd be a character uh, <laughs> character actor. Is yelling that at it? you to hurry up. Let's go. Let's go. We don't have all day. He would be yelling. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, so we have a, a lot going on as we, um, two financial stories that I just wanted to get to really quick here. And that was, will Macy's, um, get sold? So shares of Macy ri- Macy's rising yesterday and the Wall Street Journal writing about this. There are reports that the 165 year old retailer might be bought out. So that's a headline we are looking at. Mm-hmm. And as well, Philadelphia based Preet, Preet, P-R-E-I-T, Preet, which owns, among other properties, the um, Capital uh, Capital City Mall in Lower Allen Township. Oh, they yeah. Have many malls. Yeah, Pennsylvania Real Estate Investment Trust Company. Yes. They uh, they they used to own the uh, the Palmer Park Mall up in Easton that I used to work at in the Lehigh Valley. And many, many of the shopping malls here in the Philadelphia region and yeah. Montgomery County. So they announced yesterday, once again, they have filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. It's the second time in just three years. And this would give up control to the company, to its bankers. To, and these are the problems that mall, right? Nobody goes to the mall anymore. Yeah, you're right. I wonder if Warren Buffett's giving up and selling any uh, shares of Macy's that he perhaps might hold. I don't know if you saw that story. Speaking of finances, he's getting ready to dump $28 billion worth of stock. Uh, follow the money, folks. That's probably not a good sign. Just a suggestion. Not giving financial advice, but passing along a story. <laughs> Wait a minute. So you not only give like some gambling you know, tips, but also some stock tips. Yeah, I'll make predictions on football games, elections, stocks. I'll do it all for you. <laughs> some financial news. Yes. Well, listen, we are sponsored this morning by Best Work Industries for the Blind. They're changing lives. A nonprofit organization located in Cherry Hill, Best Work Industries for the Blind, providing training and employment for people who are blind or visually impaired for employment opportunities or to donate. Just go to bestworkindustries.com. Org, And as far as our forecast, we're looking at 47-ish bright sunny skies today, lower wind possibilities. Tomorrow, much of the same. Thursday looks to be the coldest day of the week, 39 degrees. Then Friday, that warm-up begins. 50 degrees for your Friday. Looks like a lot of sunshine. Saturday, 52, 53-ish, depending on where you are. So Saturday, quite mild. And then Sunday, also mild, but... 
a chance for some precipitation in the forecast. So Saturday is definitely the better weekend day, but still a warm-up coming later in this week. This is Kale & Company News Live. All right, Dawn with the news. Thank you very much, Dawn. 855-839-1210. Let me grab Tom in Bucks County. He's got some thoughts on a piece of audio that we played for you in yesterday's Big Take. Tom, you're on Talk Radio 1210. You go right ahead, sir. Hi, good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Go right ahead. Yes, there's something that stood out to me when you were talking about it, and I'm surprised no one commented on it, is how, first of all, Hunter Biden invoked the Nazis to blame his legal troubles. And then second, he went on to say that Vladimir Putin perfected their technique by putting child porn on these people's computers to then only go after them for money laundering. Yeah, think think about that irony. Yeah, and what stood out to me is that these text messages that were leaked from the laptop from hell with his family saying to keep away from the children in the family because he was not appropriate. And it makes me wonder why he specifically chose to talk about child porn being on devices as a uh, Russian technique. Yeah, and, you know, it was, it was to me, the whole thing was odd. Number one, I've never listened to the Moby Pod. And then Hunter Biden, I'm not surprised that he's trying to play the victim card that Republicans are going after him. But his whole case, his whole argument is centered around such foreign, far-reaching, it's such a stretch with everything that he said I'm thinking, what exactly did that accomplish for that guy other than conservative outlets or talk radio stations talking about the absurdity of all of it yesterday? He, I, I, I've never really heard Hunter Biden speak much, but he sounded completely delusional in that entire podcast. I'm not sure if you listened uh, to yeah. a bulk of it or not, but hes I don't think he's playing with a full deck, so to speak. No, not at all. And uh, it just makes me wonder if he's trying to soften the blow from when the child porn on his laptop comes out. Could very Ooh. well to blame it on to blame it on the Russians. Could very well be the case. When in doubt, blame it on the Russians. There's, first of all, there's no evidence of that. So like, no, come on, no. But, uh, I will say to Tom, and I, I know we're on a lot of hours, but you did play that yesterday. You did talk about it yesterday. What's that? Uh, the sound that he said he was surprised nobody talked about it. I, I was just blown away by the fact that he's talking about Russia when it comes to his own personal laptop issues again you know we we know this whole thing was built around russian disinformation which was disproven but like i'm listening to him yesterday in those clips and then yesterday after the show i listened to about probably like 25 minutes of it that guy and i don't know what he sounded like before all of you know the drugs and everything but he sounds like a guy that has some serious legit issues post drug issue like even during sobriety like the brain's kind of scrambled a little bit from the excessive drugs that's just a guess on my part i have no idea because again i don't know what he sounded like before but you talk about a guy that seems like he's um you know a couple of sandwiches short of a picnic he sounds like that at this point to me 855-839-1210 the phone number all right we will come back put a bow on claudine gay the plagiarist as well as cecily strong as we continue kale and company talk radio 1210 wphd this is the kale and company podcast from talk radio 1210 wphd and on the free odyssey app tuesday morning the cut sheet 25 minutes out the great impressionist of Donald Trump, Sean Farage, at 9 o'clock. He's got a couple of songs to sing and a special announcement to make. You're going to want to stick around for that. 
Uh, we'll also get to Cecily Strong and also our California coffee shop update as well. But just to wrap up with uh, the Claudine Gay stuff that we were talking about uh, prior to Dawn's news, we gave you the first portion, which was a lot of pushback from a lot of people on the board at Harvard, people at that institution, almost 700 strong, saying, nope, she should not be fired. She should not get the same treatment as Liz McGill. But you know what? Maybe she should be fired for being a fraud. How about that? So embattled Harvard President Claudine Gay is now under fire for alleged plagiarism. There's nothing I hate more than phony people in any walk of life, um, in any profession, whether it's a fake personality, a fake opinion, or it's one of the things I hated about sports talk after like 2012, 2013, all these little hot take losers that just say stuff for reaction. Um, they try to get clicks and they don't believe half of the crap they're spewing. And then I also hate when people steal other people's ideas. And this apparently has been going on for dating back 27 years with Claudine Gay. So according to the Daily Wire, embattled Harvard University President Claudine Gay under fire for allegedly plagiarizing portions of her Ph.D. dissertation, which concerns racial themes for her doctorate in political science dating back to 1997 at Harvard University. Uh, journalist Christopher F. Rufo, a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, apparently published a report on Sunday evening outlining what he indicated to be at least three instances of gay plagiarizing per Harvard standards in the dissertation. Her dissertation was titled Taking Charge, Black Electoral Success and the Redefinition of American Policies. Uh, in this exclusive, uh, they talk about the following. Uh, Rufo, along with Chris Brunette, have obtained documentation demonstrating that the Harvard president, Claudine Gay, plagiarized multiple sections of her Ph.D. thesis, violating Harvard's policies on academic integrity. Uh, they also go on to say uh, in the three instances that they are citing, in one instance, Gay is accused of lifting nearly verbatim work from an individual named Lawrence Bobo and Franklin Gilliam in their paper called Race, Sociopolitical Participation, and Black Empowerment. Rufo then cites Harvard's own policy on paraphrasing and plagiarism to underscore his point. He says, when you paraphrase, your task is to distill the source's ideas in your own words, the guidelines state. It's not enough to change a few words here and there and leave the rest. Gay then also apparently is accused of lifting material from a legal scholar by the name of Carol Swain without giving a citation. And then lastly, Gay is accused of swiping an, an entire appendix in which she composes an entire appendix in the dissertation directly from a Gary King book. Wow. She stole Gary's appendix? Yes. <laughs> She's going to take my liver and then give it back to me and realize there's too much bourbon in there. But so, I mean, I, now I, I just clean that up really quickly. It's a long story in the Daily Wire. I, I'm, You know, some of these things you just can't read on radio because it'll take a day and a half. But this, she now has a documented history, uh, according to these individuals, and they are claiming that basically she fraudulently pushed her way through her PhD thesis dissertation, huh. all, all these little smart things that doctorate people do, 
Um, and it's all it's all a ruse. Her and Joe Biden. Her and Joe Biden. Her and Vivek's uh, Vivek's been known to uh, you know kind of lift some of and take some of Barack Obama's appendix without paraphrasing properly, so forth and so on. So it just goes to show you. I think the the thing here with a lot of these Ivy League people, and yeah, some of them are very smart. And I don't think there's really any stupid people roaming Ivy League campuses. They just got their you know their brain cross wired with all this woke nonsense. But this now would show you that this lady, if you're looking at it, has a history, I would say, I would argue, of poor judgment. Mm -hmm. She decided to steal other people's work. Then she's going to, and I'm assuming she was lawyered up just like Liz McGill was Mm -hmm. at Penn. And if you are one of these self-proclaimed smart people, I mean, wouldn't you want to read that statement in advance that is prepared by lawyers because I don't know that the lawyers are going to be the ones that are fired. They're not going to be the ones that no longer receive a retainer from Harvard University for any you know uh, potential litigation that they might need to step in and advise employees of Harvard what to say and how to say. So you know you would think that maybe you maybe scratch off some of those words, you rephrase it a little bit, or even if you sat down with lawyers in a boardroom at Harvard and you say, you know what. I'm not sure that this is going to go over well. What if we maybe move this out, we change this, we add that, and I have a better chance of not receiving all of this <laughs> this backlash from a statement on Capitol Hill? Because now you're looking at it, apparently Harvard is trying to pr- present it in the in the light that they're not going to fire her and they're going to, you know, push back against the resistance. We'll see what happens at MIT. But if Claudine gets so think about think about the the rough week she's had. She says all of this. She doesn't um, you know backpedal at all. Then she reads terrible phrases from lawyers. She's been accused of being a plagiarist, and she's also been labeled by a billionaire to be a DEI hire. I, not, not 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 the best of things for your career as you head into the holiday break. As I'm assuming Harvard is probably on what holiday break. They probably broke the second week of December. And um, they probably don't go back until after the new year. I don't know that she's going to be having any eggnog without the booze. If I was Claudine Gay, I might be spiking that eggnog super hard, hoping that um, she survives. And maybe her saving grace is the fact that she is a DEI hire, and that will prevent her from essentially getting whacked. So I think her saving grace is that it's Nick. It's what? Harvard. It's Harvard. It's Harvard. It's the Stanford of the East. Who are you? Is that, is that what is that? Cambridge, Massachusetts? Is that where Harvard is? Yes. Yeah. It's Harvard. Yeah. And so I think ultimately they didn't even think this through. They didn't imagine there would be this blowback. And I, quite frankly, I think they don't care. I've never. I, I really. I, I and then they have a, a much bigger look at their endowments. Look at how much money they have. Yep. Uh, it's it's mind-blowing why they would even need any federal money, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. But these individuals think we're all idiot plebs. This is Harvard. And and they have, they're part of the swamp, yeah. if you will. Yeah. And and so, I, no, I think that nobody thought of, that this would ever happen. The lawyers went to her, said, this is easy peasy, just stick to the script. Here's the statement. This is from the lawyers. It's board approved. As long as you don't stray from the script... You're just fine. I've never been more proud to be a Temple alum than I am today. <laughs> Take that, you Penn. Take that, Harvard. I'm not good enough for you. That's fine. 
I'll go to Temple, and I'll try not to get shot. <laughs> All right, 855-839-1210 is the number if you want to jump in. Cecily Strong, Saturday Night Live. We will get to that update on the other side. But right now, time to update you on your holiday shopping. And you're doing holiday shopping, and you're doing it at Wawa. Why? Because I said you are. No, I'm just kidding. But honestly, Wawa, it's a great way to shop efficiently this holiday season because you've got one of two options. You can get a digital gift card. How about this? Go to Wawa.com and pick one of their festive card designs. You can enter your card amount, write a personal message, and then send it to the person in their inbox instantly, just like that. Or the weather's okay. You want to get outside and do some shopping and do some traveling, head to your local Wawa store. You'll find gift cards for the Wawa fan in your life right there at the counter and for other brands like Amazon or Roblox and grab one for your boss, your favorite aunt, your favorite uncle, favorite radio host, and make anyone's seasons bright for the holidays with one Wawa run. Happy holidays from Wawa. It's your one-stop gift card shop. See store for details. It's Kale and Company On Demand. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the free Odyssey app. Nick Dawn and Greg with you as we head until 10 o'clock this morning. Our Trump impressionist, Sean Farage, he'll join us at 9 o'clock. Cut sheet coming up in just about 10 minutes. And before and after the cut sheet, a couple of updates after the cut sheet this morning. At about 8.45, we'll give you the California Coffee Shop update, but we do have an update before the cut sheet, and that is what is still brewing, and people are still talking about uh, specifically in droves on social media, and that was what transpired on Saturday Night Live this past week, which uh, if you were with us yesterday, and I'm assuming all of you were, if you weren't, I don't know where you were, but uh, we'll give you one mulligan. Uh, so on Saturday, uh, Saturday Night Live star cecily strong who i didn't even realize had left the show uh i guess she she was done after december of last year she was on for 11 seasons i kind of call her like the remember how uh they tried to label casey desantis as the walmart melania cecily strong is like the walmart tina fey (laughs) she's she's the unfunny she was she kind of looks like her a little bit kind of resembles her like you know on snl they always have like the fat guy and when chris farley left they brought on horatio sands because he's a fat guy not because he was really funny or anything she's i always thought she was like the walmart tina fey um but that's neither here nor there so we played you in little drips and drabs yesterday because youtube will flag us if we play snl nbc content so we were able to get around it um i think stalker you kind of skirted and danced around it really well yesterday playing little little pieces of it so apparently in the dry run before they go on cecily strong who was apparently supposed to play elise stefanik decided that she was uncomfortable in that role Wow! and decided to back out at the last minute. So they're run through, I guess, in front of one audience, and then they go on, they do it live. I'm assuming it's still the same audience, and they switched up who would play Elise Stefanik. Now, SNL and NBC is is facing a lot of blowback for one deciding to spoof Stefanik as opposed to the people they should have spoofed and made uh, comedy out of and made them to look like idiots. And those were all these people at Harvard and UPenn and MIT. And then the second thing was, it just wasn't a funny bit, it right? Wasn't. It's no. just, it's just not. It's mm-hmm. the, 
the problem, one of the problems with SNL, and they've done this for years too, is especially in that opening, uh, the cold open, is that they, it's so much inside baseball stuff. It like is. you're you're talking to the majority of people, honest to God, had no idea mm-hmm. that those hearings took place. They, it's had true. No, they have no idea what's going on. You have to really follow the news, and they do it all the time with political. Um, um, impressions and mm-hmm. stuff of people that 99% of people don't know. Nobody, most of their audience could not pick Elise Stefanik out of a crowd. That's true. Honest to God. That's true. Yeah, it's true. Because a lot of the people that are there, I'm presuming, are Democrats that don't watch the news, don't consume these types of hearings like we do um, for our jobs. These are probably, I think, the people that get their news off of Yahoo and Facebook as they scroll their phone for eight minutes. And let me get caught up on the news. What is Facebook showing us today? (laughs) Uh, So that's a great way to live your life uninformed. But yes, they, they are always too deep in the weeds. I also feel like at times... There's inside jokes amongst cast members that kind of play out, and they start giggling. Jimmy Fallon, I always thought, was the king of this, where Jimmy Fallon would laugh at his own stuff. Remember when he would do the cowbell skit with Will Ferrell, Blue Oyster Cult, and he was biting on the drumstick because he himself couldn't stop laughing? It's like, let me be the person that decides whether or not it's funny. I don't need Jimmy Fallon laughing himself. But in this instance, Cecily Strong, uncomfortable. So I guess... The question is, and I'm I'm presuming the takeaway that we all have, is that Cecily Strong kind of foreshadowed what was going to happen here. She realized that this was not funny and that they were going about this in the wrong direction. Is that the takeaway you have? Because that's what I read yeah. into this. I mean, that's I, I retweeted. I tweeted that out last night I or yesterday, I should say. I, I feel like this was, to me, I infer that she felt uncomfortable because she was following her instincts. And that was wise. Always follow your instincts. And to back out of something when they're in the stage of the rehearsals Mm -hmm. is significant to me. So at least somebody on that set had some level of instincts that this was, this was horrible. Yes. And it was, in truth, it was making light of the anti-Semitism. Right that we are seeing that's outrageous yeah the new york the new york post saying in their article that the opening sketch is always the last one to be written and saturday's was slightly rushed according to sources indeed there was a mix-up with the name plates in front of stars heidi gardner playing now resigned u pen president elizabeth mcgill and Chloe Feynman, playing MIT president Sally Cornbluff, later corrected in the online version. And apparently, Cecily Strong, who is 39 years old, then changed her mind last minute about playing Stefanik in the sketch, which, as you mentioned, Don, mocked the uh, anti-Semitism stuff that's going on on these college campuses. Another insider added, quote, there was a variety of reasons, and last minute Cecily pulled out of the cold open. In an exclusive statement, Alex DeGrassi, Stefanik's senior advisor, told The Post that Elise did not watch SNL. However, her office was flooded with messages from thousands of Americans across the political spectrum, Democrats and Republican, who were appalled and disgusted by the anti-Semitic trash that was spewed by unfunny, morally bankrupt comedians on SNL. And I'm thinking too, now I don't know, maybe is, is Cecily Strong Jewish? Does she feel like that was offensive and she didn't want to be a part of it? 
She's also no longer on SNL. I guess she apparently has elevated her career in comedy or acting. And she's on commercials. Yes, too. oh yeah. She's on all those commercials. Oh yeah, she's, she's, she's everywhere. She's very much mainstream these days. So I'm wondering if this was a career decision where she's like, you know what? I've been paying attention to the news for the last 10 weeks. I'm not going down this road because I just left SNL. My career is skyrocketing, so to speak. If you can actually, you know, skyrocket your career from SNL these days because the ratings stink and the show's not funny. Uh, but she's probably like, you know what? I'm not taking any of this blowback. I'm not nuking my career. Although I don't know that it really would hurt her because she's playing the person that nobody really has an issue with. And that was Elise Stefanik. Elise Stefanik was the one grilling all of these woke professors and presidents at prestigious universities. So it's not like Elise Stefanik said anything where she opened up her mouth and inserted her foot. So I don't think Strong was portraying a character that would have hurt her career. But she probably just wanted to be like, you know what? I'm taking my hands off of this thing completely. You guys want to go at it? I don't think it's funny, and I'm not dealing with the blowback. Yeah, gee, gee, imagine that. You go and you're you're involved in a, a skit that uh, basically uh, is trying to make light of the fact that, you know, the, the punchline is genocide of the Jews. Mm-hmm. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Like, you know, it's amazing to me that only one person felt uncomfortable with that sketch. And she's the one. Sketch. Here's Here's Cecily Strong. I'm assuming not Ivy League educated. She arrives at the conclusion, something goes off in her brain where she's like, you know what, this isn't right. She had the thought that probably Claudine Gay, Elizabeth McGill, and the lady at MIT should have had, but no, they got all lawyered up, and then they just completely nuked their career by reading prepared statements and being, you know what it is more than anything? It's just tone deaf. It's completely tone deaf to a group of people that are dealing with maniacs that have brainwashed people under some sort of religion or cause or way of life where you are trying to eradicate a human population. I don't know about you, but when it comes to a career, I'm not doing that to myself. Uh, but apparently Cecily Strong got the memo. So uh, if I'm Cecily Strong, you know, I'd be like, you know, what? I, I got I got all the juice I could out of SNL. I was on that show for 11 years. I've got some mainstream commercials. I think she's in a Capital One commercial, if I recall correctly, that's been um, been running a lot. You know what? Nah, I'm out. Now, I, the only thing I don't know, the only thing I don't know is because I don't watch the show at all. I don't know if she was in other skits throughout the rest of the night. I don't know if she bailed on the entire thing. I don't. I can't imagine. I she watched did. most of it. No, she was not in it. No, okay, no. it was just for the opening one. Yeah. She was supposed to, you know, make a comeback. Probably because they just thought she would do a good job of playing Elise Stefanik, who's also a brunette white woman. So mm-hmm. maybe she had the general yeah. description. But I, to me personally, I'm glad that at least somebody. And to your point, Nick, maybe it is because she's an outsider. Sometimes when you're coming, it, maybe there's a culture at SNL that exists. Mm-hmm. She's coming for she's been she's been out. Yeah, she's she hasn't been part of the cast. Although I'm sure she's friendly with some of the folks there. Yeah, but when you're that outsider coming in, stepping onto the set, and there's a culture, you know, within a workplace, a toxic culture, if you will, or an anti-Semitic culture, if you will, whatever. Yeah, she's obviously not part of it, right. and said this is not funny. This is not good. 
I'm not putting my name and face on this yes. disaster. Yeah, because she doesn't, I mean, the SNL ca- uh, cast members, a lot of them are young. This is a fairly new cast they have. So, like, they they don't know yet what could make or break their careers. Mm-hmm. Cecily Strong has some, some years, you know, some years. She's 39. Yeah, and she's done SNL for 11 years. She's like, I don't know if this is what I want to go out into the, you know, quote-unquote mainstream world with, so I'm just going to bail on this. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And, you know, you talk about the anti-Semitic culture that might exist amongst the cast. Hard to believe that that could actually be a thing, considering Lauren Michael is the executive producer of SNL. And then it would be even harder to fathom if, in fact, there was a cast member, whether it's a feature player or one of those less uh, occurring roles, if one of those cast members was Jewish. But who knows? I mean... This day and age with this story, um, I've been befuddled the whole way. All right, 746, let's get to a Tuesday edition of What's on the Cut Sheet. What's on the Cut Sheet? What's on the Cut Sheet on this Tuesday is brought to you by our good friends at Cherry Hill Volvo, where now is a great time to go because they need to clear their lot. They're undergoing a state-of-the-art renovation and need to make room for construction vehicles. Take advantage of incredible sales and offers and lease options. Go to Cherry Hill Volvo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. Remember to tell them you heard about them on 1210 WPHT. It is imperative that you do that. Please do that. Check them out on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. Cherry Hill Volvo, where relationships matter. Let's stick with the comedy theme, shall we? Mm -hmm. Are you guys familiar with Daniel Tosh? Yeah, Tosh.0 Tosh. was on, uh, was that Comedy Central? I believe so. I watched it for all of nine minutes, and then that was it. So he was like, he was a pretty, like, irreverent comic, but also had, was kind of uh, risque, as they say, right? He, he, mm-hmm. he did some fairly blue humor. Well, apparently now uh, he's changed his ways because he thinks, he has a really odd stance on, can- on cancel culture. He thinks it's great. He thinks it's great. He thinks cancel culture is great. Okay. He's one of the most famous comedians uh, in America, and as a comedian, he should be pushing to destroy cancel culture. But he thinks it's great. He says, cancel people. He was on the Rosie Acosta podcast, whoever the hell that is. I have no idea. Um, Where she asked him about cancel culture, because he said some pretty offensive things. Apparently... Um, he, apparently he joked, he was being heckled in, in, uh, in a comedy club, and apparently he, uh, he, he made a joke about, uh, the woman who was heckling him, she should be raped, or something like that. Yeah, well, in a comedic sense, I guess, yeah. I don't, I don't know, I wasn't there, I don't know what it's happened, but later he apologized for it. So this is what he said about cancel culture, cut one guy's go. And cancellation. I think it's great cancel people i think people deserve it and i and you know obviously it's not a real thing where like the, the, oh your livelihood is gone yeah uh, but as someone who's done things and said horrible things constantly uh I, i've had backlash and i deserve it there there has to be consequences and yeah. i also don't think that there's a problem with evolving and and like oh i used to be able to say this and now i can't well fine good that's yeah. a, i'm okay with that i like the opportunity for people to evolve and to change but it seems like people are more interested in the like lashing out and sort of ridiculing as opposed to giving people the opportunity to change and yeah. tone so to speak i mean i don't know that i've ever changed because of anything but i i'm also just thankful that like no ex-girlfriend wrote a big article and it got published about me i'm happy that's great that means i've had pretty good solid relationship 
That's also sad, though, because I think, like, oh, no girl ever thought... To do that? Right. You feel a little left out? Nah, kind of. Well, nobody cares about your personal life and your relationships, but I would say this to Daniel Tosh. I don't think anything is cancel culture worthy in a comedic setting. When I've said this, and I've been consistent with this. You go into a comedy show, there should be nothing that offends you to the point where you want that person fired. Now, if you walk in... And there, uh, you preface this by mentioning something about rape. So if, if rape is brought up in a in a comedy club and you want to walk out, that is your right as a paying customer. But I think you should walk in under the the premise that there could be something that makes you really cringe. But you know what? That's what you sign up for when you go to comedy clubs and you see co- comedians in 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 their in their wheelhouse. You know the thing I hate really about cancel culture that I despise more than anything is the way the the savages come out on social media and they try to drag you and they almost try to dictate how long the abuse will last verbally on social media. Yeah. It's like no 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 we haven't had enough of you yet. You'll you'll deal with more outrage for the next 5 days and then we'll move on to a new target. I love how he says, too, it doesn't exist. Like, that's the big talking point. It's like, well, cancel culture isn't a real thing. <laughs> no, it 100% is. It might not be a, a real thing for you. Yes. Because you made your bones. You made your money. You, you Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm sure he made enough from his stand-up. And that show that he was on, Tosh 2.0, or whatever it was called, mm-hmm. Tosh.0, uh, was a pretty popular show. So I'm sure he made some good coinage from that, too. Yeah. So... It is a real thing for people who oh, can't yes. afford to just throw up their hands and be like, well, I guess, you know, yeah. I guess I'm not going to do this again. And, and he sits there and says, well, it really shouldn't destroy your entire livelihood. But if you lose your job over cancel culture, in many regards, that could be your livelihood. You you need that job. You need that paycheck every two weeks. That's how you provide. Perhaps it's the profession you went to school for. And it's not just a job to make ends meet, but it's your life's passion. I mean, I told you before. In 2016, I was a cancel culture victim. I was doing fill-in work hosting for a national sports network, and the college football playoff committee left Penn State out in 2016. And I tweeted, "It it is the biggest tragedy in the history of college football that Penn State was left out of... Uh, the college football playoff. And the boss for that network, because everybody started blowing up my Twitter mentions, saying you should have used the word travesty, not tragedy. And secondly, it's not the biggest tragedy of all time. What happened to those children at Penn State with Jerry Sandusky is I'm like, do I really need to differentiate between what happens in real-world stuff with children versus what a committee says for putting a team into a playoff? Did I really need to preface that? Yes, shouldn't, apparently. shouldn't that have been like common sense? And I got canceled for that, and I didn't get to do like these ten no. holiday fill-in shows. All right, well, let me just say this. outrageous. Let me just say this. <laughs> what have I always told you, and you, and Zioli, and everybody else? That everything needs to be on Twitter. Thank you. Thank you. I don't. You see I don't how begrudge, I had that tuned up? I don't begrudge anything you said. I, you know, I think that it was just, you know. If you look at it on 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 a screen, it might look a little more biting than what you meant by it. But that's what I mean about Twitter. Things can be taken out of context, no matter what you say, and it's not worth it. Thank mm-hmm. you. So, were you def- were did you what? I'm just trying to think of what it was. It was because somebody t- brought up the Sandusky yeah. stuff. Yeah, and that's, and I'm like, yes, dude, I I understand. That's a real thing. I mean, I talked yeah. about it in 2011 when it happened when I was right. here in Philadelphia. 
I mean, it's like the fact that I would have to clarify that, and the fact that the, the but you know, whatever it was it was holiday fill in work, but I lost probably two or three grand yeah. for the the ten days of work I was going to do. So, and, you know, now they paid you nice, huh? Well, you can pay nice here. <laughs> Just <too>. kidding. <laughs> uh, speaking of Philadelphia, by the way, Kristen was not happy about that. We I mean, a, a couple G's short. Wow. She looked at me. She's like, "All right, well, it looks like you're going to be uh, bagging groceries next week, huh?" Well, let me <laughs> let me ask you a question. Yeah. This is a, this is actually a very good exercise. Yeah. Do you think that if you would have said that on the radio, no, you would have gotten in trouble? No, Ex- zero shot. Exactly. Even on a sports station where they're scared of their own shadow, because it looks different and it sounds different yep. and it comes across different when it's in writing. When it's in writing. Yep. yep. That's why. Yeah, you live and you learn. Stay off Twitter! Now I love working at this place, because I can say things like that and not get canceled. I don't know why you look at me. What did I do on Twitter? <laughs> I don't know. You, you, this, is like, this is like parenting. I you know what I mean? This is like, I'm the middle child, so I just got swept up in it. Did Greg give you a look both, from the left? You both tweet too much, okay? But what did I... I'll just say did it. I, you both tweet too oh, much. I've said it plenty of times. I've you guys should both tweeted you, ever You guys should life. just both retweet the stuff that comes out okay. from 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 our shows and your show okay. and stuff like that. That's it. Okay, Honestly. Harvard University. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I want I want everybody on this radio station to be here for a long time. I have seen in my career a lot of people get fired, get 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 blacklisted, get canceled because of stuff they tweet. We're not paying you to tweet. We're paying you to to give your opinions on the radio. You Can should... we stop getting Thank our you. news All right. from I didn't, Twitter? This didn't. I didn't mean to take this down this it's road. It's usually drunk tweeting. Let's just be. Honest. I did not mean to take this down this road. Yeah. Damn you, Daniel Tosh. See what you started. <laughs> now I got to redrudge my past. Words of wisdom from. We should have a segment. Words of wisdom from Obi Wan Kenobi, Greg Stalker. <laughs> Peter M writes, "Greg is wrong. Nick and Dawn should be trying to go viral to get more views." Okay, okay, great. <laughs> go, go down that road. Go down that road about. Hey, look, I got a million views, but I don't have a job anymore because I said something stupid. Yeah, view, great, view, great idea. To your point, Peter, views don't pay the bills. Peter, Peter, you should be a consultant because that is a genius <laughs> take right there. Well, no, and he could charge a radio station ten grand for that. Opinion. <laughs> No, Greg wants to go viral with something that was said on, and then retweet. That's right. what Greg's point is: retweet something that was said on the show or done on the show. Oh boy, here comes the comment. What, no, what happened? Uh, hey, Seuss, you are one hundred percent correct. I don't want right. to say what he said, but he's a hundred percent correct. Right, now I gotta look. Yeah, is this, this is in the my. Comments? These this are my. Look at these are my people: Nick Kale, Don Stensland, Dom Giordano, Riccioli. These are my people. Like this is this is the radio station. This is the lineup that I want. For years and years and years and years to come, I just don't want anything to ruin. All right, so Dawn, does that make sense? Don, let's to uh, both of you. Don, let's, you. let's yes, take sir. Don. Let's take Greg's yes, wor- Greg's words here. So he he wants this to be the lineup for years and years. And years. So later uh, next year, I'm like, so I'm I'm thinking about a 20 year extension. <laughs> does Odyssey give well, 20 not, year contracts? That's not my. Trace, uh, Tracy writes, simmer down, Grandpa Greg. <laughs> okay. Oh man, Tracy, you are correct. I did not mean to go down this road. You just brought me down this road. I did. I did by bringing up my canceled past. So all of you out there listening, I am a cancel culture victim. Hear me roar. He's a victim. The Farmer's Dog ad is playing on WPHT. Do they do advertisement with us? They do. Because I use them. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. Buddy no longer has diarrhea because of them. You should listen to the app. Thank you, Farmer's Dog. You should listen to the app more. The Odyssey app. Buddy plays every five seconds. Buddy had a little loose stool. Ugh, don't even get me started. Yeah. Not since I started with them. Anytime I do, I just eat a bagel. That plugs me up. <laughs> <laughs> Give Buddy a bagel. 
It'll be fine. Oh, back to back to the bagel. Uh, all right, chicken. Joe Biden was in Philadelphia yesterday. Joe Biden. He was in Philadelphia yesterday, and uh, with um, with Shapiro and Kenny and everybody, and he told the story of him uh, in this. Uh, the fire that he had in his house in 2004 and how firefighters came in and saved his wife and his daughter and their dog or something and his <laughs> 67 Corvette. He saved their lives. Um, the, the account of the story, I think, has been exaggerated a little bit over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what he said yesterday in Philadelphia. Cut 12, guys, go. It also saved my home and my wife's life. When I was away, it was the last day on... Uh, that uh, the most famous guy doing Meet the Press uh, in Washington, D.C., and I was doing the program. And uh, what happened was uh, there was a lightning struck a little pond behind my house, hit a wire, came up through the basement of my home and three stories, and the smoke literally ended up being that thick, literally that thick. You've seen it. You've Very thick. Seen it. I wasn't there, and my wife was there, and my... My dog and my cat <laughs> and my 67 Corvette. Oh. Um, but all kidding aside. No, but all kidding my aside. Wife. <laughs> Save my wife. Save yeah. my wife. Save my Jill wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for those fu- those brave firefighters. So he was doing Chuck Todd is what he's claiming? No. Well, no. 2004. Let's go to the Philadelphia Inquirer from that to- 2004 news story. Well, there it is. Uh, Biden's home damaged by lightning. Lightning struck the home of Senator, uh, Senator Joseph Biden, starting a small fire that was contained to the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah, one was a grease fire. <laughs> no, no one was injured in Sunday's fire, which started amid a storm that caused serious flooding in Pennsylvania and knocked out power to hundreds of Delaware homes and businesses. Biden's wife, Jill, reported the fire Sunday morning, officials mm, said. Yes. So it's a little different than, like, oh, yeah. the firefighters you know, knocking down the door mm-hmm. and rescuing his wife. Yep. And, Joe's stories are never factually correct. He either blatantly lies verbatim, or sometimes he lies, but he changes it up. It's kind of like an urban legend where, like, you pass down the story over the generations and, like, new little wrinkles are added, all of which are factually incorrect and never occurred. But that's, that's Joe. That's, that's the charm of Joe, whether it's that or, you know, the Delaware football story, uh, or something that happened in Scranton. I mean, his whole life is one big embellishment. <laughs> it's remarkable. Um, let's play this. Uh, this is more of a visual thing, but you can describe it if you can't get over to YouTube. YouTube.com slash at 1210WPHT, by the way. Um, so uh, Shapiro and uh, Kenny and Biden are standing at the podium there with a uh, with, with a firefighter. They're giving him a an award. And Joe kind of starts to pose and then walks away aimlessly it's a very odd uh it's a very odd back and forth this is cut uh where are we here four guys uh go mr man you definitely gotta put a hand on that smiles poses walks away out of the shot. He has no idea what he's doing. It's like as soon as the the music hits, he feels like that's his exit cue. <laughs> like he's just going, he's going to go look for like an ice cream cone or something. It's very, and by the way, did you notice the odd look on Kenny's face? Can we go back and re-rack that? Like Kenny almost looks over to Joe yeah. like he's uncomfortable. What is it with all of these politicians that don't know what to do when they're up there? 
I mean, short of a few guys, like Trump is great up there, but like DeSantis never knows what to do with his hands. Joe's wandering around. And watch Kenny's face if we can right. play that yeah. again. One more time. Mr. Man, you definitely got to put a hand on that. You do. Kenny's like, ugh, I got to put a hand on this. Ugh. Like, Shapiro's like the only comfortable one up there. <laughs> Biden, I mean, look, Biden should have definitely been in that picture, right? Yes. But nobody... And he <laughs> never put his hand on the little plaque either. I think he was supposed to put his hand on it. <laughs> Joe didn't want to put his fingerprints on that. Yeah. Were you going to say strange something? guy. Well... I think there was something else going on because to your, I noticed that too. Look at Kenny's. He, he looks like he crin, makes yeah. that cringy face. Mm-hmm. Is he making it because Biden was not supposed to be in the picture with no, Shapiro? I think, I, I think Biden was what? supposed to be. I think it was supposed to be a shot of the three of them. It, it and was. Joe, was it? Joe was never even close enough to put his hand on it. Was yeah. it though? Was or, it? Or were, did Shapiro? Because remember when Shapiro was running for uh, governor? They didn't. They were not on the same stage. Remember this? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. So I wonder what's going on here and what the true story is. Mm-hmm. Was or was not Biden supposed to be in that particular picture? Joe, I don't know. The Joe answer. had a really glassy-eyed look too. There. All right, let's uh, let's roll it back one more time, boys, if we can. Uh, cut, cut. What time? Cut uh, four again. Go. Mr. Man, you definitely got to put a hand on that. You do. <laughs> What would be the point of Joe being on the stage there if he's not supposed to be in the picture? Yeah. And you notice, too, Kenny or Shapiro puts Shapiro puts his hand on Kenny's back. Like, when you're posing in a photo with three or four people and you don't want your arms, like, hanging by your side, you put your hand around the other person's back or over their shoulder. Like, come here, buddy. Like that. Like, Joe Joe wanted no part of that. I think, I think Kenny wanted to put his arm around Joe, perhaps. Yeah. And Joe just... <laughs> Joe, it's something else to do. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know what the I don't know what the whole story was there. But uh, um, by the way, if you want to see all of these videos, go to YouTube, youtube.com slash at twelve ten WPHG. Please hit the like button. Oh my God, we're only at sixty likes. Come, Come on, on, let's go. People. Hit the like button. We need There's 40 no holiday more. mailing it in. We need forty more uh, likes to get to one hundred. And if you have not done so yet, please hit the subscribe button. Yesterday, you uh, you said uh, that uh, Melania wants. Tucker Carlson to mm-hmm. be the VP? Yeah, according to an Axios story. Yes, indeed. I don't believe that. I don't believe that either, honestly. <laughs> but you know, they always do this. To, they like when they're trying something out or whatever. I think it's just like, an ego. Like stroke. with Doctor Oz, I still don't believe that uh, Melania necessarily liked Doctor Oz. I just think that's a made-up thing. Uh, like, I, oh, let's say. Let's just say Melania likes... Like, I don't believe it. I think this is just Tucker and Trump. Hey, why don't you throw out me as a potential Veep name? I'm starting my own media company. I need a little uh, a little PR here. Get my name in the news a little bit. Uh, Trump's like, yeah, sure, why not? Even though I know you don't want it, and I don't think I would want it either. It, it never made sense to me. And it would also lead to a disaster. I don't think it would ever work either. Uh, well, Tucker responded to that. He was on the Megyn Kelly podcast, and everybody has a podcast, and responded to uh, Trump's uh, VP report. And this is what he said. Cut 10 guys, go. Got to ask you, and I want to talk politics, too. Um, this was very interesting. Trump went on the Clay and Buck show. I know you've heard about this. and he Well, maybe you haven't, because no. you don't really tune into the news. And listen to the following exchange, SOT 3. So 
Would Tucker Carlson be on your list of potential VPs? I like Tucker a lot. I guess I would. I think I'd say I would because he's got great common sense. Oh, I know you get asked this all the time. But, I mean, if asked, would you serve? <laughs> well, it's just it's just so unimaginable. I mean, I haven't led a life that prepares a person for politics. As, as I said, I, I don't think I have any, like, horrible skeletons or anything. Um it's not that. It's just that that's not how my brain works. I've never done anything like that. I, I can't imagine spending time with politicians. I'm a total sucker for Trump. I think he's, you know, personally, I get along with Trump really well. If the closer yeah. I am physically to Trump, like if I'm with him in the room, I always love Trump. And I think it's impossible not Despite to. Despite what those text experience. messages said. <laughs> he's just charming. Okay. And, and he's yeah. funny as hell. And he's brave in his way, I think. So I really appreciate that. And I agree with fundamentally with his views, you know, maybe fewer wars. Maybe have a border like those are not crazy things and I support them. And I'm appalled and terrified by the use of the DOJ to rig an election, which is what's happening now. So all those factors make me kind of psyched to vote for Trump. But serving in politics with anybody, I mean, that's just that's a it's a lot for me to think about because I, I just don't think I'm really suited for that. You know, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to be a politician. I really don't. I think you have to have a certain set of skills and traits. I think you have to be a great public speaker. I think you have to be convincing. You have to have charisma. You have to also be a bit of a used car salesman and have a little scumbag to you. I think that's those are the prerequisites to be a politician. But this notion that everybody can just jump out of their their career arena and do what Trump has done is very far-fetched. It's ridiculous. Trump, Trump is a unicorn. He He's a once-in-a-generation type thing. Mm -hmm. And as talented as Tucker Carlson is, as smart as he is, I think he's sitting there telling you, saying, I don't really have the chops for that because it's not what I've done in my life. I think this was all just hype. I think... So do I. Trump, I think it's an ego stroke. Trump wasn't expecting that. And, by the way, like, Kai and Buck, like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> like, Tucker, really? And and Trump didn't really know what to say, so he was well, I like him, sure, I would consider it. Yeah. But by by no means is that statement from Trump, oh, uh, like, yes, I'm definitely considering him. Yeah. It was basically like, yeah, sure, I like him, I would consider him. There's, you know what I mean? There, there's got to be, and I could do this later today or during a commercial, you, you could probably come up with a good eight to ten individuals that would be exponentially better as the vice president under Trump than Tucker Carlson. I think it was an opportunity for both of them to say flattering things about one another. Mm. Yes. Go yes. figure. Powerful people like to hear yep. flattering things about them. Despite what Tucker's text messages said about Bingo. Trump. Yeah. I think that Tucker, <laughs> I think that he liked the chance because, you know, the, whatever he was texting out that out of context, you know what I mean? That was maybe he was aggravated with something that day or in the moment or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think in general, when you've seen video clips of them together, they definitely hit it off. They definitely uh, like each other. And I think that was the opportunity here to show that. Are you going to get into Megyn Kelly and what she said about Trump, which has triggered a lot of people? No, I didn't even see it. She, she made the statement, and I forget if she tweeted, maybe she just tweeted it right, that she feels like Trump eight years ago was that that he has he's mentally basically mentally declined or he's not oh, the yes. same man yeah i did see that yeah and so you know i just to me i think well megan none of us and, and megan you 
you really, Megan, is a woman in television and a woman on air. You really want to go there down that rabbit hole of asking people whether or not you, Megan. This is the Don Lemon, as, Nikki Haley prime commentary. Right? This is what it is, right? right? I mean, yeah. so, you know, to say that he's not the same that he was eight years ago. Well, who was? Right. But he's still pretty close. I mean, yeah, he's gaffed a few names with, you know, the, the president yeah, of this nation. the Obama thing. Yeah. I mean, I like, know. you know, she's making. Did, so, did, uh, now I didn't hear this, so I'll just defer to you. Did she try to compare apples to apples with Trump versus Biden in mental decline? No, I don't think she's okay. saying that. Okay. She's not saying he's senile. But it was a, it was a, it was a dig. It was a stab at him. Yeah. And I thought it was, I thought that was a low blow. Okay. Because I think that that's not that is that was not fair, a fair statement. Mm-hmm. The, I don't know anybody. Mentally sharp is his, was her Was her work. He's not as mentally sharp. I don't know anybody who could right now be under federal persecution, prosecution, state persecution, prosecution, and run a national campaign running for president, which is vigorous and exhausting. I don't know anyone of any age who could do what he's doing at the level he's doing it with the level of speeches it's unbelievable. It's Herculean, quite frankly. Yeah, his, his his motor and his his energy level for a seventy seven year old, knowing how rigorous those days are, is pretty remarkable. I've said it. I've, I've I've mentioned this on the air multiple times, and I've I've asked the question out loud. I wonder if he ever has a moment like at night at ten thirty at night where he just kind of yeah, you sit down on the edge of your bed and you're like, God, I'm sapped, right? Like, we've all had those moments. I had that moment yesterday because I was stuck in traffic leaving a dentist. So, like, at 77 years old, you you've like you start to you get a little edgy. Your nerves are shot. You get to the point where maybe you're a little triggered quicker than you used to be. I, I'm just wondering, like, if he ever has those moments. See, if, if I ever had the chance to interview him, I would ask him that question. Do you ever sit down at the end of the bed, at the end of the night, at the edge of your bed, and you, t- you take off your slippers before you go to sleep? Before you put on Fox News and watch what people are talking about and then truth it at 2.30 in the morning. It's like, dude, get some sleep. Do you ever have those moments? And I bet you he probably would say no. I uh, I have the audio here. This okay. is what he said to Glenn Beck uh, last, or what she said to Glenn Beck last week so we can dissect the audio. Do you think that Donald Trump has faded from where he was in 2020? Yeah, I do. Huh. I mean, I take him over Joe Biden any day of the week. Joe yeah, Biden, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's going to, you know, fill out this term. Never mind a second. But there's no question Trump has lost a step, or multiple steps. He is confusing Joe Biden for Obama. I know he's now saying he intentionally mm. did that. Go back and look at the clips. It wasn't intentional. It was very. It, look, any of us could have a slip of, of the tongue, but it's happening to him repeatedly. The reference about how somebody's going to get us into World War II. Um, confusing countries, confusing cities where he is. And it's happening more and more with all due respect to Trump. This is what happens when you're 77 years old. Yeah. Trump seems inhuman, but he's not inhuman. He's a human. He's a, he's a man. DeSantis is lying about father time spares. No one was a good one. Um, so look, if it's between Trump and Biden, I don't think there's any question who's more fit and who's capable, but are we really going to pretend that Donald Trump is just as vibrant and mentally sharp as he was in 16 uh, okay so to me the quantity of your speeches matters here when we compare these two joe very rarely has a public appearance and when he does he's a mumbling bumbling stumbling mess trump on the other hand he's everywhere 
He it, to his maybe to his detriment or to his his liking, he can't shut up. So the sheer volume of words that he delivers, of course, there's going to be more opportunity for him to slip. And she says he's lost a step or two. So I would just I would like to, as somebody that's a numerical person, just the way my brain works. What does that mean? So if if he was a ten out of ten in 2020 or 2016, is he now a nine out of ten, eight out of ten? That's still very good enough. That, that's absolutely adequate enough for me. That's the way I would look at that. Yeah, I just, to me, it was, I I know she tries to say, it's almost like, reminds me of that Southern, it's a Southern thing. Mm-hmm. Well, she's, oh, her butt has gotten big, bless her heart. Mm-hmm. It's almost like that yeah. disingenuous, oh, oh, well, well, you know, between the two of them, like she tries to qualify, you know, kind of qualify it, but then she takes it back. It's a stab. It, it's it to me it's, and they it's have a, a history. Stab. They, have they a history, do have a history right? back and forth. Yeah, but it it still is a stab. I I would say to you the the only thing I will say um, is 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 it exhausting to go through all of these different trials with between Jack Smith between the Manhattan cases and New York State case? Is it exhausting? Yeah, I don't see that level of exhaustion. I think your question, Nick, that you just posed to say, when have you seen him say? or express that he's exhausted. You know, think about somebody you know that you work with and you come in the morning and go, oh my God, I'm exhausted, I didn't get sleep. You never see him or hear him He goes from federal court to the first tee box. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I mean... I go from doing a show to taking a nap. (laughs) Let that sink in. And by the way, I gave out the wrong phone number this morning. (laughs) It happens. So I just... I I just I hated that she said that because she's playing into that narrative. And that's what all the liberal, you know, so-called mainstream media, they're using that to say, well, see, even Megyn Kelly, even though she says Trump is better than Biden, even she's saying he's declined. Nah, I don't. I really. And and this 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 last comment is not anything to do with defending Trump. This is just a media observation. I'm not a huge fan of Megyn Kelly. I, I, this this falls under the uh, the umbrella of likability and personality presence on camera on microphone. She's another one, a lot like Laura Ingram and the rest of the people on CNN. They just seem very angry. Nick hates women, Don. I do. Wait, look, That's, so I'm just going to come on Fox. I know. I've said, but oh. I've been bashing mostly CNN and it's MSNBC true. hosts for being unlikable, like Dana Bash. Um, Caitlin Collins, they just look like robot robots up there with just that scowl on their face. But I've said Laura Ingram's got the RBF thing going on. Megan Kelly also has a lot of that, like mm. she's just hates the world type vibe. I don't know. Maybe people disagree with that, but I've never really. I, I don't dislike her like the CNN people. I'm just kind of like, eh. I I don't know her, so I can't give you a point of reference. Yeah. I I don't. My mom never liked her. Yeah. I'm not a fan of angry broadcasters. That's the thing, I think, what I'm saying here. But Laura Ingram, I don't think she's angry. I think she would kick your butt in a cage. Oh, she would. No doubt about it. She's she's very fit. No, she's she's angry. I I knew one of her producers. She was a tyrant. (laughs) Seriously. Anybody who treats my my opinion, uh, you know, because I was on the other end of that, too. My opinion on anybody who treats a producer like that uh, is is just a horrible person. Right. So unless you treat Dorenzo that way, then it's justified. Laura Ingram will always be a horrible person in my mind. Uh, Really? Yeah. Nikki Haley uh, had an answer for uh, the Trump being fit question. Uh, Cut to this is actually a pretty good answer. 
for somebody who's running against him. Cut to guys, uh, Nikki Haley, go. There is certainly a big surge in the polls lately. You've been saying on the campaign trail, uh, I just have one more fella I got to catch up with. Let's chat about that fella just for a moment. I want to start where the last debate left off. One question went unanswered as far as is Donald Trump fit to be president? Chris Christie said he's unfit. I want to just put that directly to you in a yes or no. Do you think Donald Trump today in 2023 is fit to be president? It's not about fitness. I think he's fit to be president. It's should he be president. I don't think he should be president. You know, I thought he was the right president at the right time. I agreed with a lot of his policies. The problem is, you see our country is in disarray. Our world is on fire. And you can't defeat Democrat chaos with Republican chaos. And Donald Trump brings us chaos. So it's not about being fit. It's just I don't think he's the right person to be president. I completely disagree with the Donald Trump brings chaos. I don't think Donald Trump brings chaos. He punches back at the chaos instigators. The chaos instigators being the establishment and the mainstream media. It's not like Trump was the one who just threw gas everywhere. It was the the left. It was the establishment, the swamp, and the mainstream media. And he's just not going to let you do that to him. And that's what they hate. So I don't think he's a chaos um, provider. He's, he's a content provider for sure, but it's usually a rebuttal or in defense to something that somebody else is trying to portray or take out of context, like the dictator thing. I think he was completely embellishing, saying, for one day I'm going to be a dictator. And that was that was the headline for three straight days last week. And he was joke. He was if you saw it in context, he was he was clearly it was a, a bit of a joke. He's being a little sarcastic. The Biden DOJ and the Biden administration has been far more dictatorish than anything Trump did. Yeah. But, you know, I think that would have been a good follow up question. I mean, not that these people questioning her Mm -hmm. necessarily a conservative. Yeah. But I would have said, how does how give me three examples. How did Trump bring forth chaos? What do you mean? And also in the first part. When he when she says, yeah, he was the right guy in 16, but not now. So if he was the right guy in 16 and you liked where the country was in 17, 18 and 19 and you hate where the country is in 21, 22 and 23 and presumably again in 24, why would he be the wrong guy? Yeah. What? Because there's drama in baggage again. Then I would go back to, well, who creates the drama in there? Now, look, I'm not saying Trump's not guilty. I mean, Trump, Trump, there's times where he should just actually just be quiet and stop giving them the material and just focus on the task at hand, which is why I think DeSantis is really good from a a policy standpoint and a tunnel vision standpoint. Mm -hmm. He just focuses on what he's required to do. But why is he not the right guy? If you liked your life for the first three years before the pandemic, I don't see why you wouldn't like it again if you won. CNN legal um, analyst Ellie Hoding uh, said not only was Jack Smith smart to take the issue of Donald Trump's alleged immunity directly to the U.S. Supreme Court, it was his only option to keep the election interference case on track for the March trial date. This is what I was referencing earlier. Yep. Trump's uh, lawyers argue their client is immune from prosecution because his efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election fell within the scope of his duties as president. A federal judge has already ruled against Trump, who is appealing. Smith is seeking to bypass the appeals court by securing 
uh, an expedited ruling from the Supreme Court. Honing appeared on the lead with Jake Tapper on Monday, and this is how that sounded. Cut three. Former federal prosecutor Ellie Honig and former White House communications director under Donald Trump, Alyssa Farrah Griffin. Ellie, um, do you think this was a smart move by the special counsel to try to speed up a decision uh, right now? I do think it's a smart move, Jake. I think it's a necessary move, in fact, because this is, as a practical matter, the only real way Jack Smith can hold on to his current trial date, which is March 4th, 2024. And here's why. Here's where we are. Jack Smith has won this case in the district court. Now, ordinarily, Donald Trump would get to appeal first to the Court of Appeals in the D.C. Circuit. That would take weeks, maybe a couple of months. If Donald Trump lost there, he could then ask the Court of Appeals to rehear the case, what we call on bank, meaning the entire Court of Appeals, pack on another several weeks, maybe months. And only then would the Supreme Court even begin its review. So there's really just no way to get all that done between now and March 4th, which isn't that far away. And so he's looking to skip the middleman to take it right to the Supreme Court. I think it's his only chance of keeping this case on track. Well, that's pretty damning right there. Ellie Honing at the end pretty much telling you that this case completely goes off the rails and this thing gets sidetracked from a timing standpoint as well as, I, I think, a legal standing standpoint. I just don't understand how he wouldn't have immunity. Uh, it's And to me, I don't want to boil it down to simply uh, D versus R, but how many times have we seen Democrats that have questioned or flat out denied election results um, from the Hillary Clintons to the Stacey Abrams uh, without getting into the legal mumbo jumbo and the minutia of all of this? Um, I, I don't think that Jack Smith is feeling tremendously confident right now. Oh, I disagree. You think? I, I disagree with you. I, I, there's a report this morning that he's that he's going to use uh, Trump's own uh, data on his phone against them. So, like, it, I mean, we don't know. We, we've not seen any evidence. So, like, but for you to say that, do you like his chances against the conservative Supreme Court? Well, that's a different. That's a different that's, story. That, well, that's, well, that's well, a different story. The court, just to give you the the update on it, the court seems to be taking Smith's request seriously because they did, in a brief order, they have asked the Trump's legal team to right. respond by December twentieth. TikTok, so eight days. <laughs> I'm sorry, I I just have what to happened? respond to this comment. What? Roger what? Roger writes, Nick thinks he gets paid by the word. He feels like he needs to comment on everything. Oh, you're right. You know, I'll do a Roger, talk show, but I won't Roger, comment. Roger, that's literally his job. Okay, Roger. This whole segment was set up for yeah. me to play an audio and for Nick Kale and Don Stensland to comment on that. Right. That's you, the whole point of know, this. You know, moving forward, so we're going <laughs> to, here's what we're going to do, Raj. I won't even go Roger. We'll just call you Raj. So for now on, I, I will do, I will be a talk show minimalist. I will have very little to say. The ratings will go in the tank. The t shirts will go away. The YouTube channel will go away. And you will just hear a bunch of people offering very little to nothing. Would that, would that appease you, Raj? Maybe, maybe we, Roger likes Greg Stalker and he doesn't no, want to hear not, Nick no, or Dawn. No, he does not like me. He does not like me. You know, moving forward, Raj, I'll be a writer. I won't talk anymore on a talk show. I'll just write columns. No, wait. We could do a new thing and you could mime. Yes. I'll do sign language. I'll be like that lady that signs when Joe's up there and I think she's really kind of just flipping him the bird and doing the whole bit. Nick, on this talk show, you talk too much. Stop commenting on everything. You know what, Raj? If you've had enough of me talking, I will tweet you the link to my Real Clear Politics column that's coming out later this week. Ooh, oh, look at when you. When is it coming out? Um, I don't know. I don't know how they do it. Okay. They just tweet it and I see it in my mentions and I reshare it. Okay, good. What's it about? Uh, how Pennsylvania politicians can learn the positives and negatives of the DeSantis campaign. Wow. 
Yeah, what to do and what not to do. So basically, uh, come through with policy and avoid being awkward. Mustard. Yeah. You, you, you literally went from talking about sports to a top 10 morning show in a top five city and writing for Real Clear Politics within one year. Yeah. But Raj wants me to shut up. So what a weird, what a weird life you must have. I know. <laughs> um, That's just my professional life. Yesterday, we played a clip of Kelly O'Donnell from NBC talking about how the Biden administration, or should I say, the Biden campaign, is going to tie Donald Trump to every abortion decision that happens going down the line. We've said mm-hmm. that. Uh, Don brought the Kelly Cox story in uh, in. In Texas, uh, that's the playbook right now. Well, Matthew Dowd on MSNBC said that the other, like, they're giving out their playbook. We know, we knew this was going to be the playbook, but they're giving it out. He said the Biden campaign needs to turn this race into democracy versus dictatorship. Mm, there it is. This is cut five, guys. Go. So, Matthew, a couple of other polls from CNN show President Biden now trailing former President Trump in a pair of key battleground states, Georgia. Trump leads 49 to 44, although that is within the poll's margin of error. In Michigan, Trump leads Biden 50 to 40 percent. That is outside the margin of error. Do those numbers surprise you? Uh, No, I mean, here's what I think, and I counsel uh, your viewers to do this is, is average polls. Don't one poll can always be out of sync. Donald Trump is not 10 points ahead in Michigan. But Joe Biden is also not winning Michigan. In Georgia numbers, they may be correct, but just average the polls. Here's my feeling about this race, and I hope the Biden campaign and the Biden administration and the Democratic Party understand this. Donald Trump and Joe Biden are basically even nationally. And so if you look at the averages, they're basically even nationally. If Donald Trump and Joe Biden play an even race nationally, Donald Trump wins all the key states because he lost nationally by four or five points in 2020 and barely lost the key states. And so that's what I think the Biden campaign needs to understand in the course of this. At some point, the Biden campaign has to let go of the idea of running this a referendum on Joe Biden or running it as a referendum on Bidenomics and turn this race to here's the choice to presented before America. It's democracy versus dictatorship. and It's your freedoms versus your your loss of freedoms in the course of this, including economic freedom in this. Yeah, the Biden campaign hasn't done that enough, and I think they've spent way too much time, way too much time, trying to make this a, a referendum on Bidenomics, and Bidenomics today feeds right into the Republicans' hands. So, a lot to unpack there, but I, I want to start with the, the freedom concept. If, if Democrats actually think they can sell objective on the fence americans that they're the party of freedom and less government interference or government overreach and restriction and anybody actually believes that uh they are completely in over their heads and they don't understand what's going on in in the real world but secondly you know it's weird is i keep telling and i know dawn you say this greg you say it stop looking at polls the polls are not real life polls are almost like twitter But, man, the Democrats, with what they're doing right now, it's almost as if they believe the polls, as in they believe they are in trouble, which makes me want to be like, okay, well, then, if the Democrats are genuinely believing that they're in trouble, then why shouldn't we believe the polls? And if it was really Trump and Biden in a close battle in 2020 in these battleground states, and you've seen Joe's policies for three years— Common sense says that those battleground states are probably shifting back to Trump 
And maybe the polls are actually indicative of real life. I'm almost talking myself into believing the polls, <laughs> and I want to put my head through a windshield because I know that's not real life. Yeah. But the like, unless Democrats are just sell, they're they're bluffing here. Democrats are pretending like they have a weak hand, and they're sitting there and they're shaking and they're looking down and they're double checking their cards and they're shuffling their chips and you know they're rubbing their face, all the tells that you give away when you have a weak hand in poker. But maybe the Democrats are trying to just sell one and put one over on us, and maybe they really do have the ace up the sleeve, whether that's Hunter or Hunter, uh, Hillary or, or Obama, like we talked about in the big take this morning. But think about what that says. They're so desperate, they're going back to Hillary. Yeah, that, that, that would be like a radio station going back to a host that was off the air for 20 years trying to salvage a time slot that has bad ratings. Like, wait a minute, you're going back to somebody that failed 20 years ago? That's not a good blueprint for pulling the uh, the uh, the ship from the abyss. Maybe uh, the Democrats think their savior is Liz Cheney. <clears throat> <clears throat> she was on. She's big. By the way, it is unbelievable to me because every every interview that she does, everybody starts with. I never thought I'd be interviewing you. Yeah, she's getting a lot of run too. She is getting a ton of run. She was on the late night show with Colbert last night. Talk mm. about. I mean, really. Mm. <laughs> what is the late night comedy, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah. Liz Cheney. Nothing says comedy like a Cheney. Yes. Or, um, or Colbert. Uh, <laughs> so um, Colbert asked her uh, on being embraced by the Democrats. And uh, this is what she said, guys. Cut nine, go. I didn't expect to ever interview you, really. <laughs> um, you, you voted to impeach your own party's president. You were uh, high in the leadership of the Republican Party in Congress. Um, now you've been embraced by Democrats for really a courageous stand for you believe the rule of law and preserving the Constitution and our democracy in the face of an existential threat. And I'm curious, what is this moment like for you to be embraced by the people who vilified you and your family really for so long? Well, I don't think about it that way. Um, and, uh, you know, look, I think it's weird. Um, certainly. It feels a little weird to me, too. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's going around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I'm sorry, but I am recovering still from hearing about your appendix. So mm. I just I want to say welcome back. Yeah, thank you. Me too. <laughs> yeah, me no, too, no. yeah. Um, but no, look, I think that it's it's just a symptom and a, and a symbol of how serious this moment is that, you know, you and I would be sitting here, uh, that I would have taken a spot on the select committee, you know, appointed by Nancy Pelosi. Um, it tells you that there are some things that matter much, much more than politics. And uh, my God, um, <laughs> First of all, is there anybody is anybody drier than Colbert? Like that, there was <laughs> or not, her. The, or her. We'll get to her for sure. But he, God, he is as, he's as dry as sandpaper. Uh, he is just brutal on so many fronts. I didn't even know he had an appendix taken out. I remember he the last time we talked about Colbert, he was doing his opening bit from home because he had COVID and he was wearing a mask in his basement or whatever. I think we played that for a while back. I think Whoopi Goldberg also did the same stunt. Uh, but as far as Cheney goes. And, you know, this is, even though I think these shows stink and they don't get great ratings, this is the power of the mainstream and channels like NBC, because they're out there sitting there on that stage, and Cheney's talking about it, and Colbert, existential threat. Like, they're talking, you would think they're talking about Adolf Hitler, for God's sakes, yet they're talking about Donald Trump, and the way they position and frame the the evil, sinister intentions of 
we cannot allow this man back in the White House. Because if he does, it's going to be four years of chaos and weaponized government and a revenge tour. It really, like, this is the battle Republicans are fighting. That garbage right there. Um, I'm going to cut 11 here, boys. Um, yesterday, or last night, I guess it was, Kamala Harris was speaking at a, uh, a holiday party, and this just shows you how these uh, these representatives, these Democrat representatives, cannot go anywhere without being heckled because of what's happening in the uh, Middle East. Mm-hmm. Uh, so apparently, she was heckled by a Democrat state representative from Delaware. Uh, I'm not sure who this person is, um, but uh, she was Kamala Harris was speaking, and uh, the uh, this representative from Delaware interrupted her about a ceasefire. Uh, now. And this uh, is at a holiday party. This is at a holiday party, yeah. And Kamala Harris was like, I'm speaking right now. Uh, this is Cut 11, guys, go. And just in this holiday season, which should be a joyful time of year. Madam Vice President, I have to be out for Delaware. Did you know that? 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 Kamala said, stand down, lady, I'm speaking. So they're not celebrating Christmas in Bethlehem? Are they celebrating in Allentown yeah, or that's, Easton? That's not, or? That's, that's not, not oh, Pennsylvania. Oh, different one. Okay, yeah, the, the real yeah, I one. I know, yeah. I know. Uh, <laughs> and this actually goes to a studyfinds.org study that says, just say no. Why declining invitations to holiday parties is actually good for you. <laughs> We've got this story that we'll get to later, uh, maybe this week, uh, but maybe Kamala should have declined, or maybe that lady who decided to bring up ceasefire at a holiday party should have declined. I will say this. That is the first time I've seen Kamala with, and the audio is a little off, so you can't really get the full context of it, but it sounded like Kamala had a little conviction there. You're telling that lady basically to shut up. Uh, I've been sitting on this, uh, since yesterday. This happened over the weekend. Uh, Novak Djokovic was on 60 Minutes. He was interviewed, uh, I think this was actually his first big interview, uh, since the whole refusing the COVID vaccine thing happened, Mm -hmm. where he became basically the villain of the world. Could not enter the United States to play in a tournament. And he addressed that on 60 Minutes on Sunday. I'm going to cut six here, guys. Go. Djokovic found controversy of a larger scale in early 2022. Unvaccinated, he got an exemption to play the Australian Open at a time when the country was coming out of a long COVID lockdown. But after public outcry, Djokovic was deported, making for a global news event. How much of a toll did that whole controversy take on you? It did. I was basically declared as a villain of the world, you know. And <laughs> You said so? Of course, and I had... Basically, yeah, most of the world against me. I had that kind of experience on the tennis court with with crowds that were not maybe cheering me on, but I never had this particular experience before in my life. Did you misread the Australian public and what the reaction would be? In which way did I misread them? They don't like exceptionalism. This was a culture that felt very strongly about vaccination. But the point is that it was not up to me to read anybody. I got the exemption. I got the permission to come into the country. And so, of course, it escalated to the highest of the highest levels globally. Correct me if I'm wrong. You were not against vaccination. You just did not want it for yourself. Exactly. People tried to, you know, 
declare me as an anti-vax. I'm not anti-vax. No, I'm pro pro-vax. I'm 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 pro freedom to choose. Mm. Wow. Mm. Cancel him. Yes. Uh oh. The fact that anybody would be vilified and become persona non grata based on their decision of a personal health choice is outrageous to me. And you know, we could probably I I could probably write a book on the hundred dumbest decisions of the COVID nineteen pandemic, and it would probably be pretty damn near towards the top where in this country, forget Australia for a moment. Novak Djokovic was not allowed to compete in a tennis tournament in the continental United States because he was unvaccinated. Yet we allowed people from the southern come up from the southern border into our country unvaccinated. Let that sink in. A professional athlete at the peak of his profession that does not need the COVID nineteen vaccine. Yet migrants could come up from the southern border and go to Chicago or New York or any other place unvaccinated. Okay. Make it make sense, please. Uh, last week or the week before, I forget now, when uh, Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis um, uh, debated, after we all had our opinions on who we think, quote-unquote, won the debate, my my thinking was that Newsom didn't really win the debate, but I think he got the upper hand on DeSantis. You guys disagreed. Uh, Gavin Newsom was interviewed uh, the other day, and he said that the one the one thing DeSantis I thought did very well was when he showed the poop map. Um, <laughs> but uh, Newsom disagreed with that. He he didn't think that was very. Uh, he called him not Ronald Reagan. Mm. Uh, this is cut seven guys go. And he's no Ronald Reagan. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, that's where the Republican Party is today. I mean, here's a guy running for president of the United States. And, you know, wow, uh, pulls out uh, a poop map. By the way, <laughs> rules of the debate were pretty clear that there was none of those games. So, I mean, rules don't apply to them over there. I would just ask Mr. Newsom, is it true that your wife threw in the towel for you? <laughs> because DeSantis is still claiming that. The DeSantis camp is still claiming when the cameras stopped rolling mm-hmm. that Gavin Newsom's wife says, that's it, we're out of here. We've had enough. You're not playing by the rules. Did he deny it? I don't know that anybody's asked him the question. I, that should have been the first question. Yeah. You know, do I have to? I mean, I'm not the journalist of the show, Dawn. You are, but somebody's got to start educating these people on what the questions should be that the American public would like answers to. Are they mm-hmm. unaware of like what the like what the trending thing is? I know not everything should be based off of Twitter, but that's what people want to know. It is, but I also think it's biased by omission. Okay. They're not. They're just not going to ask that. Okay. Now, what was the source of that interview? Was that a? Was that? A, I'm assuming some sort of mainstream. I think it was like a local. Okay. California. Yeah. Uh, TV station. Okay. So yeah, biased by omission. It is. All right. So you're still you're still under the assumption that uh, Ron DeSantis won that, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. What about uh, what does Trump think? He was in. He was at a gala in New York City over the weekend and he he made a very brief uh, comment about the debate and this is what he said this is cut eight you saw gavin newsom with no facts he beat the hell out of ronda sanctimonious the other night and he had no facts and- he had no facts but he beat the hell out of him yeah. I, must, I must have missed the debate because i thought DeSantis did the but i'm not surprised here's what trump's doing here mm. trump's not going to give his chief rival for the primary any credit nor should he. He should absolutely sit there and say that the guy on the left did better because Trump's trying to be the guy on the right to beat the left. So you're never going to give. It's like it's like the um, this is the inverse of the starting quarterback trying to give credit to the backup quarterback. When the backup quarterback comes in and does well, the starting quarterback will. Oh yeah, he played a great game. He was prepared. We were in the film room. 
Trump's doing the opposite. So you're saying this, Trump's this not, not being. A, this, so you're saying Trump's not being honest, Nick Hale. Trump's not being a team player, and he's also not being honest. Correct. Yes, I think Trump knows DeSantis won. He said there that Newsom didn't have the facts. So I would ask. He beat the hell out of him. He said he beat the hell out. Of him. I would ask. I, that's my point. So I would ask if I'm asking Trump in that setting there. Okay, so you say he didn't have the facts, but he beat the hell out of him. Can you please explain what what <laughs> please, he did to beat the hell out of him? Please show his work. Right. Please show your work. Yes, unlike our plagiarist friend at Harvard, who will uh, not properly cite things. Um, Joe Biden went on the Rick Smiley Morning Show. Now, do they do they talk on the Rick Smiley Morning Show, or do their hosts not offer enough opinions? Do they talk too much? Is that a show that Roger would watch? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm just wondering. Um. He, and he mentions uh, HBCUs, and he brings up Delaware State. And you know how we always say that you know he was raised in a Puerto Rican community, and he was raised here. And he corn was pop's raised a bad dude, and he fought corn pop in the <laughs> in the parking lot of of the swim club that he was a he was a lifeguard at. Yeah. Uh, well, he also says this about Delaware State, even though correct, Don, he never went to Delaware State, right? No, it was Del- the Delaware Blue Hens. That's right? a that's a historically black college. So Delaware I, State is the yeah. black college. So yeah. I would I would assume um, uh, he didn't go there. No. When he said this. Cut uh, cut fourteen guys go. I have an ongoing fight or argument with the vice president. She thinks that the best HBCU in America here is, is here in Washington, and uh, I think it's in Delaware, Delaware State. So I just want you guys to know that. But that's a different issue. Yes, sir. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people forgot about Delaware State University. Is an HBCU in your home state, Mr. President? Let me tell you, forget about it. That's right. That's where I got raised, man. Politically, I think I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm, I'm not. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not going to get into it. I was raised in the black church. I was raised in the synagogues. He's been raised under every church, over every college, mm-hmm. over every race and ethnicity. Joe Biden is like the ultimate mutator. He, he's like, he, you know what he is? Joe's like a variant. He's like a COVID variant <laughs> that keeps like respawning to play to whatever the narrative that he needs to play to. <laughs> By the way, I think Kamala went to Howard University, did, right? Yes, yeah. That also is an HBCU. Because remember last, um, uh, during the March Madness tournament last year, she gave that speech. Um, I think it was at halftime or at the end of the game when, um, when they pulled off that upset. So there you go. Uh, one more, then we can get to Dawn's Big Three. Uh, on Inside with Jen Psaki, UPenn professor Adam Grant was being interviewed asking about, um, you know, the criticisms of UPenn and Liz, M- Liz McGill being fired. And he said that it's been a long time since our policies have been reviewed and rethought, which I think is an interesting statement from him. This is Cut 16, Guys Go. So her, her resignation last night, uh, you know, th- there's been a, a, a bit of a victory lap by those who called for it out there publicly, which my bet is you're not exactly for. And her resignation is not exactly going to solve the rise in anti-Semitism, the rise also in Islamophobia. This is a kind of a big question, but are, or do you think the policies in place right now at the University of Pennsylvania are, are enough? Honestly, I don't. Um, and I don't have any easy answers. I think policing speech is an extremely complicated and um, and dangerous endeavor. Um, but I think it's been a long time since our policies have been reviewed and rethought. And I think we have a responsibility to take a look at them and say, we don't want to have a hostile environment. We also need to be consistent in our moral clarity and our enforcement. Um, if we're going to police speech around telling students that 
you know, they can't cause emotional discomfort for their classmates, then we certainly need to be equally consistent and strong on the question of, you know, can they call for violence against students and threaten their physical safety? So mm-hmm. I think we have a lot of thinking and hard work ahead and uh, not entirely sure where it's going to land. See, I, I think this is a quick, easy fix, and it's twofold. Can condemn anti-Semitism hate speech that rises to the level of violence and calls for genocide and killing people while having a two-way street on free speech where liberals or conservatives can share their opinions freely on campus without the worry of somebody's feelings being hurt. I think you can separate the two. I know there's a lot of like experts out there legally with the First Amendment that say it's complicated, I, I don't think this is overly complicated. I really don't. But maybe that's his way of kind of dancing around the answer uh, to the question of, you know, maybe we should have <laughs> maybe we should have approached this a little differently after October 7th. So there you go. All right. That'll do it for part one of the cut sheet. We've got our buddy Sean Farage. Woo-hoo! He's coming up Woo! in just about 15 minutes. Wow. But we'll, we'll wrap up the eight o'clock hour right now with a Don Stensland. Big three at eight forty six. The big three at eight on Keeling Company. We are sponsored this morning in the big three by Piazza Auto Group. The developing story this morning, just to follow up on this. Yes, Harvard, the board has backed officially backed Claudine Gay as the right leader to help our community heal. Hmm. So this is the developing story this hour. We talked. Uh, Since 6 o'clock this morning, we've been updating you on this story after, of course, Liz McGill, the the UPenn president, was basically forced to resign. Not so much at Harvard, where they're backing her. Harvard's board meeting today announcing just this morning that Gay retains her job and the president faces ongoing uh, condemnation, obviously, over Mm -hmm. her congressional testimony more than a week ago at this point and the allegations that... Uh, Greg Stocker and Nick Hale brought up about anti-Semitism, plagiarism, and discrimination. We are doubling down on the plagiarizing anti-Semitic professor because she could be a DEI hire, and we will not admit that was a failure. So the board disagrees. And... If, uh, if 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 Claudine Gay was a white man, is he already fired by now? <laughs> I'm just oh, asking. Yeah. Just, just, just great, asking. Great que- yes. Just wondering. Yeah, it's a great, just great question. Just a, yeah. just a little random muse that's been bouncing around in my skull for the last 24 hours. Now, in their statement, they did the Harvard board did admit that her congressional testimony failed to give an unequivocal condemnation of anti-Semitism. So she failed to do this, but she stays. Yes. Okay. You mentioned uh, there was the protester with Kam- with uh, the vice president with Kamala Harris talking about Bethlehem. So not Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which is a lovely place to visit for Christmas time, but this time of year. You think about the famous Christmas stories. We're less than two weeks from Christmas. You think about Mary and Joseph, how they were told, no, there's no room at the inn for baby Jesus to be born. Well, today, pretty much the opposite. There are plenty of rooms at the inns in Bethlehem, literally. Normally, this is the busiest time of year, Christmas time. Many Christians and pilgrims come to this area of the world on the West Bank. But right now, since October 7th, Everybody canceled. And so that's one of the big stories is that they're saying this is the worst Christmas ever. Bethlehem is shut down for Christmas. No Christmas tree, no joy, no Christmas spirit. Wow. Okay. No Christmas spirit. So if you could get there, 
it would be like, you know, going to Disney when, I don't know, it was cancel culture time or something. Right. If you could get there, you'd basically have the place to yourself to see where Jesus was born. So we've got vacancies, so to speak, in Bethlehem in the Middle East. And I'm presuming we've got vacancies in Bethlehem in the Lehigh Valley as well. Because who the hell would want to go there? Oh, that's a good question. I bet, I bet you're, I, I'm going to disagree on Bethlehem, PA. Yeah. I bet you this time of year, right now, you should ask your relatives. Yeah. That's probably why I'm not going to go up. The relatives. The in-laws? Yeah. Pain, oh. pain in my butt. Okay. Yeah. All right. Plus, it's Bethlehem, PA. I spent too much time of my life there. <laughs> I'm trying to avoid that area. I don't know. I love it this time of year. You could do the Lehigh Valley once in about a three-day <laughs> stretch, and you never need to go back again for the rest of your life. Stalker can confirm this. I think a lot of people in this area used to come, sad, used to come here to Philadelphia to see mm-hmm. everything with, unfortunately, a lot of the coverage lately, especially the Macy's, you know, murder and all of that. Yep. I'll bet you more people are more likely to go to someplace like, hey, let's, let's go to Bethlehem. Yeah. I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a Christmas one year in Florida. I'm going to go, <sighs> I, I've never done a Christmas. And I, I mean, I lived in Nashville, but at Christmas time, it's like, you know, 45, 50 degrees down there. I want to spend a Christmas in like a tropical place once, just once. I'd be like Kevin from Home Alone. Naples, Florida Christmas. I, that'd be fine. Best. Yeah. It's awesome. Okay. So uh, every year, Google releases all of its, you know, top searches and trends for the year. And usually we have fun with this. Mm-hmm. So in this one, they release their year in search roundup for 2023's, you know, top global searches ranging from unforgettable pop culture moments like Barbenheimer and like Barbie Oppenheimer, <laughs> Barbenheimer. right? And <laughs> to the loss of beloved figures, tragic news, things of that, you know, big story. So the ongoing Israel Hamas war topping news trends. That's the number one search. Yeah. No now, surprise. is that just under the news umbrella or just number one overall? News, I think it's under news trends. Okay. And, but then, remember this, Titanic-bound submersible. Oh, wow, boy. That feels, like, that feels like ages ago, doesn't, doesn't it? it? Yeah. And then they were talking about last February, the, the devastating earthquakes in Turkey and yep. Syria, those horrible earthquakes. Right. I forgot about the submersible. I admit... I forgot about this. Yeah. yeah. How many days did we cover that where we were like, you know, okay, now it's looking more and more bleak and the chances yeah. are, yeah. It was the father and son that went down together, I if I recall. Yes. Yeah. Damar Hamlin, yep. Google's top trending person well, he, on the searches. Yeah, he flatlined on Monday Night Football. I, I love that one. Actor Jeremy Renner, mm-hmm. who survived that serious snowplow accident at the beginning of the year. Jeremy, I don't remember Jeremy that. Renner. Remember that? I don't recall that. No. And he did we just, talk? Did we talk about yes, that? Yes, definitely. And just recently, he he was putting out some I don't know videos that went viral. Okay, that's amazing that he survived that. Yeah, I don't recall that, but okay. Uh, Matthew Perry, his death. Yeah. Turner. Yep. No surprise. There was one more that I wanted to get to, and now I can't find. I can't even remember what it was. But Matthew Perry was what they found him in the hot tub, right? I know. Yeah, I remember that. So sad. Tina Turner. I remember that. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Jason Aldean's Try That in a Small Town. Oh, my God. Yeah, we did a whole week of shows on that. So that was a big one. And then all the Taylor Swift stuff. Mm, You had to go there. (laughs) Kelsey. Not in my browser history, (laughs) I'll tell you that much. (laughs) So we could have fun with that moving forward. It's it's packed full of good stuff. But you know what else is? Piazza. Piazza Auto Group. During the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, get 0% APR for 60 months on select new Tucson and Santa Fe models, only for a limited time right now, 
Piazza Hyundai of Pottstown and Westchester online, PiazzaHyundai.com. Thank you, Piazza Auto Group, P-I-A-Z-Z-A, PiazzaAutoGroup.com. And this is Kale & Company Big 3. All right, Don, thank you very much. Coming up in just about seven minutes, our buddy Sean Farash, who is going to bring his latest Donald Trump impressions, as well as not one but two holiday songs that he will sing as Donald J. Trump and a big announcement for Sean coming up around 9.15. But right now the announcement is Wawa, and it is about Wawa gift cards. And you can do the Wawa gift cards for the holiday season in one of two ways. You can just visit Wawa.com, where you can pick up one of the festive card designs, enter your card amount, and write a message. You could choose to have your Wawa gift card show up in their inbox instantly, or schedule it to arrive just at the right moment. Buy a digital gift card today and give the gift of Wawa to somebody you love. Or you can go out the old-fashioned way, do the hustle and bustle thing, and go to your local Wawa store where you'll find their gift cards right at the front counter when you check out. And uh, get the Wawa gift card for a Wawa fan in your life. Or for the fans of other brands like Amazon or Roblox, Grab one for your boss, aunt, uncle, and make sure that everyone is having a Wawa holiday season. It's your one-stop shop for gift cards and see store for details. This is the Kale and Company Podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and on the free Odyssey app. Don't go through another year with that awful joint pain. Just call QC Kinetics. Call them now and make 2024 the year you're back. You're back again. QC Kinetics can give you your life back. They're the nation's leader in regenerative medicine. And these are all natural treatments which repair and restore your damaged tissue, giving you pain-free movement again. QC Kinetics has tens of thousands of satisfied patients across the country and right here in our area. And people who had knee pain, back pain, oh, that horrible shoulder pain, who were able to get lasting relief, no surgery, no drugs, no downtime. So if you're suffering in pain right now, maybe from a past injury or maybe from some pain that's associated with a type of arthritis, you need to check this out. The future of medicine, it's here. Regenerative treatments, thanks to QC Kinetics. Make the call now and you can get the most out of 2024. Get back to doing everything you love to do. And don't forget, you can use your HSA and FSA funds for this year. So Call QC Kinetics, get that free consultation, do this, 215-999-3000, 215-999-3000, just call QC Kinetics, 215-999-3000. Start your day with Kale & Company, weekday mornings 6 till 10, on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and the free Odyssey app.